Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to Azmuth Podcast. I'm Barrett McNabb, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, always, Kimberly McNabb. Well, we have completed all but two of the 2024 major presidential candidates, and here we have President Joe Biden. Let's go ahead and watch his re-election video. Freedom, personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. Cutting Social Security. Not true. That you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy. Dictating what healthcare decisions women can make. Banning books and telling people who they can love. All while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we were in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. You know, we're going to stop it here just because we don't want to get a copyright strike because we're not familiar with the music that's being used in... Um President Biden's re-election video. But Plus, there are some points to talk about. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well. I love how he starts off with the January 6th stuff. Like, hey, we don't want to relive that day, I think is the main point he's trying to get across. But he emphasizes freedom. Right. Did and- you feel not free? I mean, other than the COVID restrictions, uh, do you feel less free? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I did. And, and, you know, one of the big things is says more choices, not less choices. And here we have, uh, you know, an opportunity where parents have um, really risen up uh, in the past two years uh, to talk about education and parental rights. And, you know, that seems to have gone by the wayside. Um, as far as freedoms go, um, you know, economic freedom, th- yeah, th- th- that's declined. I don't feel... I don't feel economically free at all. Right. (laughs) At all. Um, You know, for instance, one of my favorite drinks, uh, it's my white trash energy drink, uh, Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, You could get the six pack at Walmart uh, just two years ago, standard price, $248. $248. Now it's $498. Yeah. I mean, that's called inflation, folks. Uh, yeah, so that's just a small sample size of um, how expensive groceries are. And uh, so it impacts everything. And so we don't go on vacation anymore. <laughs> we don't right. buy clothes anymore except for the kids, of course. Uh, so, yeah, uh, freedom. Um, yeah, when there are parents in certain places in the country where they're not supposed to know what's going on with their kids' school, yeah, that. Yeah, they're, they're not free to know those things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I think it was a little disingenuous as well for the Social Security yeah, cuts. Ha- um, yeah. During his State of the Union address, President Biden uh, said 
that Republicans were cutting Social Security benefits, and there was a lot of boos. And then, and then he stopped his speech, and he asked, he goes, can I get a commitment from the Republicans that you're not cutting Social Security? And he got a whole standing ovation. So, so it's disingenuous to say that Republicans want to cut uh, Social Security. Now, what they are saying is that there are problems for Social Security, and things have to change in order to make sure that people receive the benefits that they paid for. Um, but that has been a uh, Democrat problem and a Republican problem for decades and decades. Well, uh, plus, if they don't do something, everyone's going to lose their Social yeah, Security. It, it, I, exactly. I am not counting on it at all by the time I get old enough. Right. And um, as far as voting rights, he's saying, you know, making it who harder. Who has lost their voting rights? No, no one has lost their voting rights. No one has lost their voting rights. Um, uh, election integrity uh, is important and, and voter ID laws. I mean, you have to show your ID to get on an airplane. You have to show your ID to buy a box of pseudofedrin. Um, I mean, so. I bought kids cough syrup the other day. Right. Had to show my ID. Right. All right, let's keep going uh, so that we can uh, look at this. We'll stop it probably about uh, two more times, just again, just because of copyright limitations. That's why I'm running for re-election. Because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty and respect and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Thank you for choosing Thank us. You. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. All right, so right there we saw uh, Joe Biden at his maximum sprint and the maximum <laughs> distance that he can run, uh, and they, they had to film that. They're like, look, we can only have one take of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so, so we, 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 we wanted to stop it there so you could see what Biden's burst of speed is, and then he had to take a nap. Well, I, maybe that is why the, the little powder was found in the White House. Maybe that was the amphetamine or whatever they were going to give him for that shot. Maybe. Uh, but So you get uh, that burst. Yeah, I've heard a, a joke uh, on Ruthless uh, podcasts. They, they refer to Joe Biden in his normal pace as Roomba. He's just constantly wondering, like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I'm not sure where to go. I'm not sure where to go. Uh, but I wanted to comment on, uh, before we stopped the last time, um, you know, love who we want to love. I'm sorry, gay marriage is legal. Yeah, has been is. legal since Obama. So um, again, disingenuous, right? There. Love whoever you want to love. That's fine. Yeah, we we don't Listen, care as long as we, it doesn't harm somebody. You can't yeah, violate two stocking adults orders don't and, care. and things like that. But love whoever you want to love. But uh, he also said, "I know America." I'm like, dude, you've been in politics since you were 29 years old. You've you haven't worked a real job since at least 29 years old. I, I'm, right. You're out of touch. You haven't right. had real problems since then. You, you've only in, encountered people who also were senators or maybe GOP people. But you're, you've been in a bubble for 50 years. Sorry, yeah. I'm and, calling and have had a staff. I'm calling complete And had a, sta- a complete staff to kind of do everything for you. for. Yeah, 20, I mean, when was the last time you had to clean your own toilet? Never. Right. Well, you know, the... 
you know, the we're all equal. Uh, yes, we are. We're all equal. Uh, but we're not the same. But we're not the same. And we everybody has different wants and needs and and uh, and depending Priorities. on where you are in life. Uh, you know, are you are you young? Are you in the middle of your career or at the end of your career? Um, so everybody, you know, has different things. I mean, that so, you know, there's the old adage, there's the old adage that uh, if you are not if you're under the age of 30 and you're not a Democrat, you don't have a heart. If you're over the age of 30 and you're not a Republican, you don't have a brain. All right. So, I mean, this is one of those things where he's just, uh, you know, throwing some dog whistles out there. He's pulling on heartstrings, but but it doesn't put food in people's plates. Exactly. I mean, that that's really what it is. So we'll, we'll keep going. So if you're with me, go to JoeBiden.com and sign up. Let's finish this job. I know we can. Because this is the United States of America. There's nothing, simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together. Okay, so, so I will say he has beautiful handwriting. Yeah, is that his handwriting? <laughs> well, I'm assuming. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it may look like an epileptic Parkinson. I, I don't yeah, know. The, I don't the know. handwriting used was beautiful pensmanship, and the music was very, like, oh yeah, I'm you know. This so, get you fired so up. Th- I completely agree with you. Uh, the video was excellently done, Chris Christie. <laughs> get it, get it, get a video. You're way up behind in the well, polls, but the, get a video. I mean, whoever their marketer. They use the the video editor like if that same person like did everyone's video. We would be very torn on who to use. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it, it, it is a well done video. It's got great camera angles. It's got uh, great music. It it um, it cuts correctly. It's very well edited. Um, and, and and feel good imagery and whatnot. And it, it it it's present. Uh, so those political candidates that. Um, do not have just an, an intro video that is easily accessible immediately upon going to your website. Um, I think it's a political fail. There's, there's a, just a few candidates that that didn't happen uh, with, but, um, but it needs to be present. But uh, one of the things that I disagree with, um, we had a, had a video that, um, that, actually two videos, um, Jill Stein's video that we did, we'll put a link here, um, and Vivek's Ramaswamy's video, and we'll put a link there, um, to their videos. Uh, they were not able to be monetized because there was music that, that was, that was in them. Now, here's my these are my thoughts on it. This is obviously getting off the the Joe Biden, but here's my thoughts on it. If it's a political video used for a public election uh, that is going on the national level, I don't think you should be able to 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 play the videos without any copyright issues whatsoever because yeah. this is a, an elected it's office. Public knowledge. It's public knowledge. Um, but we did stop this three times uh, because we wanted to make sure that that we were able to get this video to you. Um, the uh, Stein and the Ramaswamy videos had some issues, but we played 
the the campaign videos, the official campaign video, uh, in its entirety. So anyway, that we just wanted to do that administrative note. But but you know, Joe Biden he says finish the job. Finish the job. Do we want to continue the last three years like I mean, that trajectory in all aspects of life? I'm sorry, that's a scary thought for me. I will be very surprised. I will be very very surprised if a uh, when we get to the general election. And we have Joe Biden as the presumptive nominee, and we have a Republican candidate uh, as the nominee. We don't know who that's going to be. The polls are changing all the time. Currently, the front runner is Donald Trump. But I would be shocked if the Republican candidate did not echo the words of Ronald Reagan when he was debating Jimmy Carter and talked to the camera and said, you need to ask yourself, are you better off now? than you were four years ago. All right? Yeah, so think 2019. How how well off were you? Yeah, well, 2000, yeah, 2020 is, is you know, what I would say. The, or 2000, well, I, I'm backing out the pandemic. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> but still, the, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you ask that question, undoubtedly there is no defense that the Democrat nominee at this point, it's probably going to be Joe Biden, is going to be able to make that you are better off than you were four years ago. Yep. And so I challenge any Republican candidate to, to recycle that line. Um, but let's I mean, let's talk about his his economic record. I mean, yep. you know, let's here start we are talking off with economic because that's what we're talking about. Are you and better that, off? That affects everyone. You it know? sure does. Some people like to you know go to the abortion issue or they like to go to, you know, trans issues. Those don't affect absolutely everyone. But everyone has to buy groceries. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I think that affects all of us. So. When we hear economic uh, inflation numbers, people are like, oh, inflation's going down, it's going down. That's just the rate at which things are climbing. And you have to think the numbers that they're trying to gaslight us with right. do not include food. That That's, to me, that's the most important one. And so food inflation, 2017, it was 0.9%. 0.9%. 2018, 1.4%. Versus 2021, 3.9%. 2022, 9.9%, which feeds back into my white trash energy drink, Diet Mountain Dew at Walmart. So, and then, okay, overall inflation numbers, 21, it was 4.7. 2022, 8%. They usually shoot for an overall inflation number of just 2%. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, to your to your point, Kimberly, and that's at rate per year going up over the previous year. Right. Uh, and, and to your point, Kimberly, the 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 Biden administration, when they're touting that administration is coming down, but they don't mean the prices are going down. They don't mean the prices are coming down. <laughs> the rate of inflation is coming down. So the prices continue to rise. It's the rate of inflation is going down. So, so instead of going up like this, it's going up like It's that. still going <laughs> up though. It's still going up. And yes. so um, you know, you know the um, I think the the famous Mark Twain quote about statistics is there's lies, there's damn lies and there's statistics. 
<laughs> all right. So you can get statistics to say anything you want. And so when you when you disingenuously say. Yeah, you back out food. I mean, yeah, come on. It, if it's saying 8%, what's it really? I mean, so you have, you know, the, the person that has to pay more when they're buying a Ferrari. That's included in the numbers. But a single mom with three kids going out and buying uh, staples, bread, milk, cheese, um, uh, butter and peanut butter and things like that. That's still going up and it hasn't, yeah. hasn't, hasn't gone down. And so, you know, who's affected more? I'd say it's the single mom with the three kids. Yep. It's uh, a higher percentage of her income. And also another way of putting the inflation numbers is like, okay, last year I gained 50 pounds, but this year I only gained 10. You still gain weight. Right. You gained <laughs> you less just, weight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but you're, you're still, still heavier than you want to be. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, and, and then another statistic that they like to tout is, oh, well, under Joe Biden, they've created 13.25 million jobs. But we need to remember in d- during the lockdowns under COVID, 22 million, 9 million more jobs were lost. So really, you could just say we're recovering That's exactly some right. of the jobs, but we're still negative 9 million jobs. Yeah, jobs are not being created they're being replaced they're being yeah. they're the it's just it's getting back to the status quo so so it's Slowly. disingenuous <laughs> instead of saying created they should say we've we've rehired uh yes. th- this and, amount of people and most of those jobs were lost in like a year year and a half and right. we've had three years to replace those jobs and we're still nine million short yeah and and really it's it's also not i mean we have all these these new uh, Gen Z and millennial things, you know, the quiet quitting and the and the um, you know job surfing and things like that, where pe- companies just went crazy with their salaries and their compensation and things like that in order to lure workers back because there was this hyper competitive hiring going on. And but now that's all cooled. That's yeah. all cooled because the econ- you know, the economy has caught up with that and and people are not purchasing as much. And uh, and so you know all of that. That stuff is well. I'm gonna. I'm only gonna work. You know the hours that I'm that I was originally. Nothing extra. I'm not gonna do anything like that. Working's hard and and. Well, but they, they need to realize those inflation numbers also affect affect businesses. So right. their their costs for you know printer ink is going up. You know gas and company cars is going out. So if you're not proving yourself to be valuable. You might want to reconsider the coffee uh, tagging or whatever it's called. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But but you know the so that that just goes to this job. It's just, it's a little disingenuous and it's easy it's easy to spend. Right. Mm-hmm. It's easy for the press secretary uh, to get up there and and spend all of these numbers. But you have to realize that you haven't gotten back to zero yet and then created the jobs. Um, and so yeah. that's just reality. There is no spin on that. Now, what what about the uh, the middle class uh, incomes? Uh, in two thousand twenty two, middle class median income fell two point two percent, meaning two thousand dollars poorer than January two thousand twenty one, which is huge. But there was actually a six thousand dollar increase in median house income under Trump per. The Census Bureau. Right. And that's, you know, a nonpartisan. Uh, so when we yeah. say these numbers, we're not putting a spend. We're just using data yep. um, from the Census Bureau, which is, you know, an independent uh, organization. It's it's nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. So, again, I will I will you'll hear me say this a number of times during this video. Are you better off now? than where you were four years ago? Yeah. So you can use the, the feel good lines, but your wallet doesn't care. 
who, no. who says the feel good lines or what those lines are. Um, and one of the feel good lines that I hear used is, oh, income inequality has decreased since January 2021. Well, guess what? There are two ways to work that. You can either keep the rich where they are and make the poorer richer, or you can keep the rich, I mean, the poor poor and make the rich poorer. And that is what is actually occurring. So, yes, they are coming more into the middle, but the richer, the poor are st- still poor. Yeah. Ideally, I think ideally. You want to raise all boats. You want to raise all boats. You want to make the, the, the poor people richer. You want to make the middle class richer. Mm-hmm. And you want to make the rich richer. Because, I mean, that's really people, what you want to do. The thing people fail to think about is rich people hire people. They hire them, and I don't mean just to come clean their house or to cater their, you know, little Christmas party or whatever. I mean, they they increase employees at their businesses, or, and they buy more stuff, and that that's more income for the people that are selling the Ferraris on, on commission or right. you know, whatever it is. Or, or they, they start new businesses. Yeah, or they decide to finally take a leap into a new business and, and hire more people. So it affects everybody. Right. I agree. So let's talk about his foreign record. So honestly, he looks weak to foreign leaders. Uh, He's got a a history of choosing the weakest path. Yeah. And that's all throughout his senator career as a senator. I mean, come on. One of his first acts was to withdraw from Afghanistan and left billions of dollars of equipment there. Well, it's not just rotting in the middle of a desert. I mean, the the, the Taliban is going to scoop that up. Right. Either use it, or if it's not usable, they're going to re-engineer it. And guess what? Probably 20 years from now, we'll be fighting our old equipment. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just absolutely crazy. When I was in Afghanistan, um, we had an, a number of forward operating bases, uh, FOBs, um, that, are, that are everywhere. And you'd have anywhere from a platoon to a company-sized element, sometimes a battalion-sized uh, element at these forward operating bases, and they'd be scattered around the, the provinces. And, uh, you know, HESCO barriers would, would be built, and, and they'd have defensive structures and, and barracks and things like that. Well, when, when uh, units no longer uh, decided uh, to, ha- to occupy those FOBs, those forward operating bases, and, and, and consolidated or moved or whatever, the Taliban would move in, Taliban would move in to those FOBs and have U.S.-built defensive fortifications just left for them. And so when we have to go back and retake that terrain, we'd have to fight against our own defenses. Um, now, we have air power and, and helicopters and stuff like that, so we're able to, to, to do it. But still, it was very ironic that we built up these areas and then the Taliban got to utilize it. And it's the same thing, to your point, Kimberly, with the military equipment. Um, whether or not it was demilitarized, um, maybe, maybe not, but uh, a lot of it is in good working order. Um, A lot of because the Afghan army had it um, and they were utilizing it. And so if they just left it, we didn't destroy the Afghan National Army's equipment. uh, Just they capitulated. And, um, you know, it's just just the amount of staggering amount of money that Joe Biden left uh, left there is is just what you have done the withdrawal or would you have done it at all? Because I know, like, we still have bases in like Germany and Japan, you know, these places that we fought in World War II. We have bases there. Yeah. So, so I mean, we'll put a video uh, that we did, uh, the Afghan withdrawal, two two years later. But but what I would have done is a phased withdrawal. 
um, and we're definitely, you know, on the topic of Biden, but but I would have done a phase withdrawal, and I'll just go over this quickly. There were five regional commands, uh, regional command north, south, east, west, and central. Central is where Ka- Kabul was, the, uh, the capital. And what I would have done is I would have withdrawn out of one of the regional commands, and I would have seen what happened. Yeah. Right? So it's called a phase withdrawal. And rather than leave all, all the locations all in the same go, I would have left one and seen if the Afghan National Army could have hold, held their own in that one regional command. And if they could, then you, you, you do a phased withdrawal from another regional command. And, and then obviously the last one you would leave is, is RC Central, which was the, the Kabul capital. Um, but, you know, I think to do a complete withdrawal all in one go um, was, was probably the bad move. Yeah, and I just, I can just imagine how much China and, and Russia were laughing at us. I mean, you well, know, what, what seeing that horrible withdrawal. I mean, come on. Yeah, what, what it demonstrated is that that we were vulnerable and poor leadership. And well, th- there's time that, to but attack. but it shows that that we're we abandon our our allies. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, when they need it most. So it made our allies look weak too. And so then yeah. Ukraine. It was a credibility. <laughs> it was a happened. credibility issue. Um, now, you know, when, when the bodies were, were coming off the planes, you know, as a veteran, I thought it was beyond disrespectful, beyond disrespectful when those flag draped coffins were coming off the planes and Joe Biden is looking at his watch. Now, was he, was he saying, uh, this is really boring. How long do you think this is going to take? Is he saying, hey, I've got a tea time to get to? Is he saying, I'm meeting uh, the president of, of Russia or Germany? Who, who knows? But what it looks like is, he's bored. is that he's bored and how long is this going to take? So, again, foreign leaders are probably looking at it like, this guy doesn't know how to plan, doesn't stand by his allies, and doesn't give a crap about people who died under his command. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Not saying that that's exactly what happened. But that's what it looks like. And sometimes perception is reality. Yep. And to make matters worse, he loosened sanctions on Iran, which, as he should have known, funds Hamas, Hezbollah. He declassified the Houthis as a foreign terrorist organization. Like, why right. on earth would you do that? Oh, no, they're all nice all of a sudden. And, and this, like, you're giving money to people who you know are going to attack you. Yeah, you, you should know that. I mean, you know, when we talk about the uh, the hostage negotiation or the the prisoner negotiation or captivity negotiation, whatever you want to call it, and when we gave money to Iran in order to, to get U.S. citizens back, uh, but there was this giant promise that uh, that Iran said, "Well, it won't be used to fund terrorism. We'll make sure that Qatar will 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 make sure." Uh, you know, it's just kind of funny. It's kind of like giving matches to an arsonist and making them say, "I pre- pinky swear I'm not going to burn I'm down not the burn barn, any, burn anything down." <laughs> and and we've we've talked about this uh, in uh, ad nauseum when when we said, "Look, you know, there is an easy way to do accounting tricks. To if you have a budget and your budget to your education is." six million dollars or six hundred million dollars, whatever it is, uh, and you. Don't give them the budget, but you take that $600 million and you use the education money for terrorism, but then you take the $6 billion that you get for hostage release uh, and you use that for education. All you've done is change the dollars. The- well, yeah, it's like getting a free pizza coupon like, hey, I don't have to pay for dinner tonight. Now I can... 
pay for a bottle of wine or something. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> like, all, all it was was an accounting change uh, in order to, to use the money for terrorism. And very shortly, soon after, we had uh, the Hamas attacks uh, who were funded by Iran. Uh, you know, we against, knew they were funded uh, by Iran. Uh, against Israel. Yeah. Is that uh, a coincidence? It's just astounding. I mean, it, absolutely just, uh, just astounding. So... Now, Chinese spy balloons. So here we have Biden is, is always continuously talking about that uh, he wants to be a competitor uh, on equal footing with China. And, and China is not, does not have reciprocity on that. China does not want to be a competitor of the United States. China wants to dominate its sphere of influence, the Asia-Pacific area, and the world. They do not want the United States of America to be the leader of the world post-2050. They really don't. And so uh, to... Also, we keep giving them everything they could possibly want. And they're stealing. Oh, fly all over our country and then wait until they've crossed to shoot it down. Why? Yeah, I mean, we just have to realize that China is... What good are they doing for us by <laughs> flying over us? Nothing. No, they're 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 spying is what they're doing. It yeah. wasn't an errant weather balloon. Uh, they're they're spying, and as I've said before, I think this I is a get a, some good old fashioned lawn darts. A practice, <laughs> um, uh, you know, for contingency operations. If um, they shoot down our spy satellites and we shoot down their spy satellites, they're going to have a backup plan to be able to do. Um, uh, you know, spying and, and uh, intelligence collection over us. So this is all practice. It seems benign, but it's it's not. I wonder what would happen if we tried to do that to them. Hmm. I think World War Three would happen. Yeah. I mean, they'd shoot it down in a heartbeat. Uh, it wouldn't even it wouldn't even be a. It, it wouldn't make it within ten miles no, of their coastline. No, absolutely not. So so Biden keeps trying to to think that China is uh, is a competitor, and they're they're not. They are an enemy. It's just it's a new Cold War. And the Biden administration hasn't realized that it's happened yet. Yeah. And they just keep giving the king keys to the kingdom away with their energy and, and manufacturing. And now the spy intelligence. I mean, what else could they possibly want? Right. Now, Ukraine. Obviously, Biden, uh, I, I'm I'm pro what Biden is doing as far as, as supporting Ukraine. I think that we need to support Ukraine because if we don't, and I know there's a lot of detractors out there, but if we don't support Ukraine, Russia has said Poland is next, Latvia is next, Estonia is next. And so by supporting Ukraine and giving them the things that they need to do, um, we're preventing a greater conflict in which the United States would have to uh, partake in because all those and, countries and are NATO Putin allies. And Putin says he's going to do something, we need to believe him. I remember when Trump said something to the effect, oh, Putin's smart. You can admit someone who's smart and still think they're evil. But, you know, everyone's like, oh, Trump's praising Putin, Putin, Putin. Where, where are those voices when Putin says he's going to invade Poland? Like, right. they're, they're silent. Um, now, and we've discussed our strategy would be very different uh, regarding Ukraine. Like, from the get-go, I mean, I think they attacked because they saw that Joe Biden was weak with the Afghanistan withdrawal. Then Ukraine was was attacked. So you know me, when we move into a new house, I go nuclear, full nuclear on bugs. Before we move in, I bug bomb the place, I spray the yard, I am scorched earth. That is the initial approach we should have given 
day one with all the artillery, you know, send people over there to train, you know, them how to use the equipment, like immediately, immediately. That way it just would send a huge signal to Putin, like, holy crap, what did I do? Right. And I'm, so this drawn out little trickle effect. I mean, that's not scary. The the biggest the Give biggest some time mistake. To regroup and stuff. The biggest mistake the Biden administration did in Ukraine was trickle in uh, equipment. And the only way to fix it now, and I don't think we have the means to do it any anymore, because we've been trickling, spending, spending. You know, you know, bullet here, bullet here, bullet here. Essentially, um, that we don't have enough supply to bombard. Right. All at once. I mean, ultimately, what what Ukraine needed was complete MTO, M, uh, MTO complete brigade combat teams with all of the enablers, all the combat vehicles, all the support uh, staff uh, to, to do that, all of the Patriot, all of the Attackums, Block 2 Alphas. We should have given everything that they needed all in one go, along with the, yeah, like the training. This is literally everything right now. But trickling it in, they use it, and then one time package. <laughs> then, then Russia, um, you know, is uh, you know they come up with a countermeasure for it, and then well, we trickle something in, and then they come up with a countermeasure. Well, plus we wouldn't be arguing about it two years now right. from, from Congress, like trying to attach it to this bill or that bill. The, the conversation would be done. Yep. All right. Now, what about the the Paris Climate Accord? Uh, well, so Trump got out of it um, when under his presidency, and that saved millions of jobs well of course biden rejoined it so yeah. costing millions of jobs i mean you know the the problem with this was um that that countries such as china and india were not held to the same standard as all the other countries now china's argument is we need to continue to build coal fire plants we need to continue to ramp up our global warming our co2 um because uh, you know, we haven't caught up to the developed nations yet, so we need to continue to raise our pollution rates. Everybody else needs to cut down, but we get to go further. And so we that, shoot ourselves in the foot to help them. Yeah, so, so, so we're growing their economy, we're hurting ours, and, and there's no change to the pollution. It'd be yet one thing— he's supposed to be the American president, not the Indian president, not the Chinese president, our president. Exactly. And the problem that we have here is, um, is that— the, the rates aren't going to go down if if countries go down voluntarily, but countries go up voluntarily. That's a that's called a, a zero sum well, game. There's, well, there, there's also no, there's American nothing. energy. We yes, it, it pollutes, but we're more efficient in our CO two emission levels. China China doesn't care. Right. It's just whatever's cheapest, fastest. They don't care how much it pollutes. So it's better to do it here, and we get to keep the jobs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's go on the immigration record. Well, first hundred days. You know, everyone likes to tell. I did this on the first hundred days. Well, Biden halted deportations, stopped the remain in Mexico. Which I'm, I'm sorry, but if you are in true need of being safe, you know where you're coming from, whatever danger you're fleeing, Mexico should still be a better solution than staying in, you know, Uganda or somewhere like that. So I, I don't see what was wrong with that policy. He ended, um, you know, asylum case review. I'm like, come on, we need to know who these people are. If someone's coming into your house, you want to know who they are. Um, he, he cut border security funded funding. He ended Title 42, which I think was a, um, a COVID protocol. Right. Uh, I mean, come on, like 
you you wanted Americans to get vaccinated, but all the illegal immigrants from these countries, we don't know if they have COVID or not. Come on in. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. That that was that was a big thing. Is why are we requiring Americans? Uh, to get uh, vaccinated uh, to do certain things, whether to be in the military, to be a police officer, to be a government official, when um, migrants coming in don't have to be vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, you want us to save our grandma, but their grandma, who cares? Well, or, or, <laughs> or they're bringing in diseases of themselves and, and up. Yeah, because not every country vaccinates against all the diseases like we do. Right. Uh Let's see. He also limited ICE's enforcement activities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this isn't just to kick people out. It also affects kids. Right. Like in, in 2022, uh, Homeland Security couldn't get in touch with 20,000 sponsors of unaccompanied minors. Under Trump, it was just 2,000. So 10 times more sponsors Again, you want to know who's taking care of kids. They, if you're taking care of kids, people should be able to get in contact with you. Right under under Biden, ten and, times more could not get couldn't get in touch with them. So and, you don't know what they're doing with these kids. Nothing. And you know the cartels have really just turned on the afterburners uh, as far as human trafficking. Um, oh, oh yes. Um, since since 2021, cartels have made 13 billion dollars in human trafficking. Alone in 2018, it was 500 million with an M. Yeah, I mean, this is is crazy. So that's 26 times more money just in human trafficking alone in the span of three. I mean, three years. Yeah, and and that's according to HomelandSecurity.gov. And and to be clear, to be absolutely clear, the Biden administration, including the press secretary, there is. Nothing going wrong with the border. Nothing unusual. It's normal. It, it, there is, there, there is <laughs> sorry, no open border. 26 times more money in human trafficking. That's not including fentanyl and nothing. Nothing else. Um, and then, you know, we also have people on the terror watch list. Barrett, remind everyone how many terrorists it took to do 9-11. It was, what, uh, 19? 19. 19 terrorists, 19. just 19. That's not that many people. 151 people on the terrorist watch list were stopped. Just stopped. Just the people we know about at the border in 2023. And only three in 2020. And a big fat zero in 2019 where the Border Patrol had more money, had more resources to catch people. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, when when we when we talk about this it is not uh we're not talking about uh hispanic people from guatemala that are on on these watch lists we're talking about bad guys uh that are coming from countries and they've already done bad things that's why they're on the watch list right so we're we're not talking about a mom and her two kids that want a better life we're talking about people that want to do america harm and they see the uh, the border as an easy way to, to get in there. Yep. Well, another issue close to my heart, and it, again, this is another issue that should affect everyone because if, if our kids are educated, they're going to come work for you one day or they're going to come take care of you in the, you know, in the nursing home. So everyone should ca- care about it. And really the main thing that he touts 
about education is just forgiving student loan debt. When our test scores are so bad, we're testing so much worse than the rest of the world. I, I think there's more to address in education than just the student loan debt. Right. Um, so he tried to, you know, erase ten thousand dollars worth of student loan debt and twenty thousand if you're on a, a Pell Grant. Oh yes, exactly. Um, and now, fortunately, it was shot down by the Supreme Court. Well, I mean, he, to restart it. Again, he, here's though. here's straight up. President Biden is trying to buy votes. Yes, I, I mean, mean that's all. That's all it's about. And you know, we live in an era where we don't teach people consequences anymore. Come on, you take out a loan for a house, you have to repay it back. You chose to go to an expensive school, you have to pay it back. I mean, it's as simple as that. And got a degree in women's studies. I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing if if you're an engineer, uh, aerospace engineer, or electrical engineer, you've got debt and, and you go find a job. But I think a lot of the problem is 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 uh, a student will will take out a loan for a bachelor degree and then they immediately go and uh, take out a loan for a master's degree and then immediately go and take out a loan for a PhD and they haven't gotten a job that they've deferred all this debt and now they have a PhD, a master's, and a bachelor's that they have to pay back and they don't have a job yeah and and they're they're complaining about debt and it's well and also it's they a, wasted a, a lot of time yeah. too i mean at least students should look at it that way like what's worth my time but it's it's been struck down by the supreme court correctly that you just can't uh arbitrarily just eliminate student debt but that was a big campaign promise that biden uh promised and and could not deliver and he did it because he was buying votes. Yeah. That's straight up what it what it, what he was saying. Um, I mean, <laughs> well, one thing that seems more a little more agreeable to me is he was pushing for free two year school. Yeah, uh, I, which are more trade schools. Um, and I mean, come on! I mean, there are plumbers making what sixty dollars an hour. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. I, yeah. I'd go. I well mean, worth it, it. It, it. If I were, <laughs> I don't know. If I were a man, I I would probably go for that. But that was. Uh, shot down as well um and then one of his policies when he was running last time is he's not for school choice but then again he was talking about freedom right freedom i mean there should be freedom of school choice for kids i i agree i think um so under him u.s department of education uh issued a notice for title nine to change to adopt students pronouns this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And, he, and here, here's the why. Here's the why. So you talk about uh, gender issues and, and the LGBTQ plus community. Um, they talk about in their, in their uh, language that gender is, is fluid. Okay, so whatever happened to personality? Yeah, the, the, or mood? Exactly. So, um, you know, with the the pronouns being fluid and, and mandating that you that you adhere to these pronouns, people are changing them uh, all the time. How how is the normal person supposed to keep up if there's legislation that says you're supposed to use somebody's pronouns when they when the gender is fluid and things like that? Well, also, I have a hard enough time remembering people's names. Like, right. I, I get frustrated enough with the hyphenated names. Like, dude, I, I barely care about your first name, and now you want me to add a hyphenated name 
and a pronoun on top of that like dude i don't care i don't like you that much <laughs> yeah and, and, and you know there the, there's just been so many gaffes as well so you know he had uh the 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 gay pride um you know celebration on the white house lawn and then people you, are showing their scars i mean that's their, not their very transition scars. yeah and i mean just uh, i mean he wants to talk about the chaos of january 6th i mean sorry a bunch of people showing scars on the white house lawn is pretty chaotic yeah and disrespectful Yes. Disrespectful. And, um, and, and, but, but that was a self uh, inflicted wound by inviting that particular community that is very flamboyant. Uh, what did they think was going to happen? That somebody wasn't going to post on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, as far as electability goes, you know, he is way down in the polls. He is way down in the polls. Um, and in fact, he's one of the, has the lowest approval ratings at this point, uh, even more so than Trump. And, and half the country hates Trump and, and more people hate Biden <laughs> than, than Trump at this well, point I, in time. I think people are seeing the issues that affect everyone, like right? the economics, uh, and they're just like, we can't keep, I can't keep paying this month. I can't, uh, this much for everything. I can't afford to pay $11,000 more a year for the same thing. And it's probably just going to get worse. Um, one thing that his um, campaign staff is doing right now is they set up um, staff to police min- misinformation online. And they're assigned to talk about how scary Trump is. I think that's um, that and the basement strategy. Right, <laughs> like last time, because how much campaigning has he done? Well, what's what's really besides su- a good video, very little. Right. Uh, so you know, especially since his um, his interview with Charlemagne the God uh, during his uh, initial run, uh, where he said, "If you're uh, trying to figure out whether or not to vote for me or the other guy, you ain't black." Now. Uh, Charlemagne the God uh, has uh, has said that he is not supporting the Biden administration and he regrets supporting the Biden administration mm-hmm. for for 2020. Uh, but he is definitely not supporting the Biden Harris administration um, this time around. And interestingly enough, uh, young black and young Hispanic voters are disillusioned with uh, Biden, and they're they've the polling is saying they're not going to vote for him. Now, the polling is not going, they're not going to go vote for Trump. They're voting for this guy, RFK Jr. <laughs> and it's, a, it's amazing that people don't talk about RFK Jr. We have a video here that, um, that you can look at, and we're going to do a follow-up. But in some areas, he is polling at 20%, and it is not being reported by the mainstream media. Um, and so we are definitely going to do another video. But, but young black and Hispanic people are, are not looking to support Biden this time, and they're also not looking to support Trump. They're looking to vote for RFK Jr. And who that does that really help? But it helps Trump because it hurts. It hurts Biden. It takes votes away. Well, there there are arguments. Uh, some people say it can hurt Trump as well. But I don't want people to get too comfortable with polling, right? Uh, because you know, Trump was doing very well um, twenty twenty, and then Biden got elected. So you just don't know. But I do encourage people to do their research. Absolutely. And you know, you just mentioned. Uh, Biden telling Charlemagne the God, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That's not the only racist thing he said. He he has a you know he's had a fifty year political career, so it's easy to Google up some racist things that he has said. And 
the lies, multiple, multiple lies. I mean, from the gross exaggeration with the kitchen fire that he told the Hawaii residents, uh, the lie he he told about getting arrested, trying to see Mandela. He was nowhere near there. Uh, All all the travel on Amtrak he did. Oh, yeah. And and, um, that he he drove an 18-wheeler when he really drove a school bus. Uh, You know, he's trying to relate to the truck drivers. Uh, That he was at 9, the World Trade Center, right after, you know, the planes landed into it. No, he he was in D.C. at that period of time. Right. I mean, just on and on and on. It's like, come on, man. Well, I mean, you know, the 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 very famous uh, this Bidenomics and and, uh, you know, he he has that video where he's talking about, um, you know, Bidenomics and he whispers, it's working. And and no, if it were working, you wouldn't even have to say (laughs) you wouldn't have to say it. People would be just like championing Bidenomics all the time. And and, um, you know, the um, the common thing that the administration says is, well, you just don't understand Really, you're going to uh, gaslight us? Okay, so <laughs> you don't get it. You're not smart enough to get it. So he's telling Charlemagne the God he's not smart enough to think for himself. He's got. I mean, he's black. He's got to vote a certain way. And now telling everyone else, um, you don't understand basic economics. Right. I mean, and, and and really, what he's trying to do is is he's also saying, you know, I have to protect the country from democracy if. If uh, Trump wins, democracy from dies. democracy or for democracy. Hmm, used the word from. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we we clearly his administration is um, uh, has conveniently timed uh, prosecutions that are going on from the Department of Justice against uh, President Trump. Now, whether or not he's guilty of these, the timing, the timing. They've is, had three years. Some of the stuff. I mean, yes, I agree. Trump is is guilty of some of it. I'm like it's frivolous, but yeah, it's hard to dispute timing. Yeah, the timing is just is just horrible, and and really all it's doing is feeding this um, uh, you know conspiracy theory that that um, the Biden administration is trying to remove Trump not because they think they can beat him in a in a head up mashup, but because if we can eliminate him via um, litigation. Uh, then we don't have to worry about facing him in the general election. Well, whoever you vote for, we encourage you to, you know, do your research and, you know, don't vote for someone just because they're not Trump. Right. Vote for them because you think they're the best person. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in. Welcome to Azmuth Podcast. Today we are finishing our presidential candidate series with Trump. I'm Kimberly McNabb, and with me is my husband, Barrett McNabb. Thanks, Kimberly. So let's go ahead and watch Trump's uh, official campaign video on his website. There isn't one. So like Chris Christie, Trump, let me give your campaign manager some advice. Go ahead. You're the leading candidate right now in the United States uh, for the 2024 election. You also have the most money. Uh, My recommendation for your media manager is to create a two-minute exciting 
video that is played immediately upon when somebody goes to your website. Yes, you have a bunch of um, uh, POTUS uh, 47 uh, videos that are, you know, in two to six minutes long. They, they address um, his policies. agenda and all of his policies. So that much I do like. But you're, there's not a feel-good video that ha occurs right when you come onto your website. And I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, similar to, we kind of make fun of Chris Christie about that <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, you're, you're doing so well. Just uh, just get one of those uh, those videos out, and I think you'll be doing even better. But um, yeah, uh, Kimberly, this is the last one. We saved, yep. we saved the elephant in the room. Uh, we're not in the room. We're not in the during room. During these debates. Um, for for our last uh, official um, 2024 uh, candidate, and yeah. uh, I mean, you know, what a candidate is, uh, or he is, and um, let's talk about him. Yep. Now we're familiar with how his his uh, presidency was, but we'll go over some some uh, highlights to remind you of what it was like aside from the Twitter wars. Right. Uh, so. Something that affected us all, economics. Right. We all have to buy groceries. We all have to buy gas. We all either pay rent or mortgage. So let's talk about it. Food was undeniably cheaper. You know, Biden likes to talk about how his inflation's going down. Well, you know, okay, last year I gained 20 pounds, but this year I gained five pounds. I'm doing well, right? No, you're still gaining weight. Well, right. stuff's costing more. So- for instance, 2017, food inflation, the one that affects us all, 0.9%. 2018, 1.4%. Under Biden, 2021, food inflation, 3.9%. 2022, 9.9%. That's crazy. And that's 9.9% more than 2021. So. <laughs> and this is this is just food. They pulled this statistic out of, of the norm the, of the of the regular inflation. Yeah. So, you know, you always have to do your research. I mean, yes, it can get boring doing research, but you need to know what the talking points really mean, whether they feel good or not. You got to know what they mean. Um, and, you know, OK, say if you're a wealthy person, well, what do you care about, you know, a food going up, quote, a little bit? Well, you know, the morale of half the country, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, would be, you know, they were better under Trump because the, the economy was better. I mean, it's just facts. I mean, right. <laughs> at, least, I mean it, it goes, at least half half the country would be, you know, their morale would be better under Trump. Whereas Biden, I'm sorry, but if things costing more, even if you voted for him, your morale is still going to suck. Uh According to Pew Research Survey, 44% believe that Trump made the economy better, whereas 26% were indifferent. Yeah, th so, and this th well, this just goes this just goes exactly to Ronald Reagan's uh, famous quote when he was debating Jimmy Carter. You need to ask yourself, are you better off now than when you were four years ago? Yeah, so that's only 30% would say they were worse off right. under Trump, whereas 70% said they were at least indifferent or not better. Um, also, 2016 to 2019, I like to back out COVID because it was just unprecedented. The world was basically on fire. Uh, unemployment was down to less than 4%. 
I mean, that, right. that, that's pretty good. With some of the lowest levels for black and Hispanic Americans. Yeah, exactly. In, the, in history. In Latin, uh, history. Exactly. Uh, something else that uh, Trump did was he expanded apprenticeship programs. So, you know, Biden's like, oh, I want to forgive student loan debt. Well, that, that affects people that went to, to colleges, whether it's a state school or an Ivy League school. Apprenticeship programs, I mean, that, that's like, you know, plumbing, electrical. The trades. The trades. And so that's encouraging working class people to, to thrive. Yeah, and Mike Rowe, uh, who famously has uh, you know the, the the television show Dirty Jobs, and uh, you know he's a big proponent of the trades. Um, mm-hmm. In that you don't need to go to college in order to ha- to uh, be part of the upper middle class. You can you can go to the trades and and you can provide for your family and and pay for education for your children, uh, all without having to go to college and incur all of this debt. So he withdrew from the. Uh, Paris Climate Accords, saving millions of jobs. And here's here's the big important reason why. It wasn't good for America. It wasn't good for America. It was good for uh, certain countries because while the United States had to reduce uh, our greenhouse gas emissions, countries like China and India were allowed to increase their production of coal-fired plants and uh, increase the production of greenhouse gases. Now, that doesn't seem fair. We, our economy gets hurt, their economy grows. And the reason that China said that they needed to do this is they needed to catch up with the developing world in order to have their their country. Well, if the world needs change, allowing two countries to replace the greenhouse gases of other countries rather than all countries reduce, that's something somebody could get behind. But the fact that it hurt the United States, but helped China, an enemy of the United States, uh, makes no sense to me. Makes no sense no, to me. No, and last I checked, it was global warming. Uh, so why would we shoot ourselves in the foot to help them out? And also, the way we are more efficient when we produce energy than than China. I mean, right. they don't care how much CO2 is released in the air. They just want to bang out the energy, whereas we actually have regulations and and standards. So we are actually cleaner in producing the same amount of oh, energy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's you, something people, just because you don't see the energy being produced here doesn't mean it's not being produced dirtier somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, imagine if uh, somebody wanted to start up a coal-fired plant in California. <laughs> Good luck with that. I mean, immediately there'd be all of these lawsuits and, and protests and you can't do it. Imagine how many lawsuits are filed and how many mass protests there are in China when China wants to put a coal fire plant down. Nope. And Zero. they don't care how it gets done either. Zero. So so they can just plop these things down like it's a monopoly board, uh, putting hotels and houses down, and there is, there's no checks and balances. And the world community gave China a blank check with no checks and balances uh, on what they could do. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he pulled us out because it was not good for the United States of America. And that's what Trump is said that he was going to do. He was going to look out for us first. Yep, because he's our president, not right. China's president. Uh, so under Trump, we had the fastest annual wage growth of 5% for amongst the lowest paid. So 
you know, we scream inequality, inequality. We want income equality. Well, guess what? Increasing wages for the the poorest people, I'd say, helps that. Yes. Um, the, the Ideally, ideally, you want the poorest people's salaries to go up, their wealth to go up, the middle class, their salaries and wealth to go up, and the rich, their salaries and wealth to go up. You want everybody to go up. Yep. Uh, and people forget wealthy people hire people in and their start companies businesses. and start businesses. Exactly. And under Trump, inflation was never above 2.9 percent with okay. an average of 1.875 percent. And, you know, we shoot for, for two. I mean, right now, what is it? <laughs> Way higher. 9.9? That's for, that's that was for food. food. That was for food. Yes. Uh, so, and why does this matter? Well, for one, it affects everyone, but economy is important because historically, the state of the economy has some predictive value in, in how elections turn out. Absolutely. I, I would say it's it's 100% uh, on that because if you can't afford things, if you can't afford staples, if you can't afford your rent, if you can't afford your electricity, it's human nature. You're looking for somebody to blame. You know, yeah. who, who, who is causing this? Uh, you know, problem for me. My gas, if my gasoline, I can't get to my job where I where I make money to buy all the things that I need to do. Well, Who's also, to blame for that? Well, also, um, you know, if, if you are worried about really important issues like how you're going to pay your rent, how you're going to put gas in your car, you don't have brain space and time and energy to worry about what pronoun someone's going by. Right. That's not important to you at that point in time. It really isn't. Now, as far as his foreign policy, man, foreign leaders respected him. Uh, yep. I mean, he acted like a boss. Whenever he was uh, going to NATO, if somebody was in the front row, he'd just bat him, move him out of the way and, and get up to the front row. Um, and that's where the United States needs to be. The United States is the leader of the free world. Um, and I would I would say we're uh, the leaders of the, the communist world uh, as well, where there is no freedom because mm -hmm. a lot of their actions are uh, in reaction to what we do as the leader exactly. of the free world. And, uh, you know, everybody respected him. There weren't any invasions. Uh, you know, Russia didn't invade Ukraine until after the disastrous Afghan withdrawal. And Biden said, well, uh, I was just following Trump's uh, Trump's policy. So so if you see something that you think is wrong, but you're just going to say, well, he, he had it in place, so I'll just follow along. That's that's a cop out. That's a cop out on Biden. Yeah, I doubt that was the blueprint Trump had laid out. And, yeah. and besides, since when is Biden gone by any of Trump's blueprint. Really, that was the one? Exactly. He, he canceled just about every single executive action that, that uh, Trump had, but he kept, he kept one, and then he, he got to, to blame it. But, but Russia waited until Biden was in office uh, mm -hmm. in order to, to invade Ukraine. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Trump says that, that Ukraine uh, conflict would not have happened if he had been president. That's hard. To, it's hard to guess uh, one way or the other. But, um, you know, it is. I would bet money that would be true. You think so? OK. Yeah. Uh, another significant thing that Donald Trump did was he moved the Israel embassy to Jerusalem. Now, Barrett, we've been at embassies. We sure. were in Israel. So how is that significant? Well, the significance of it is the true significance of it is Trump followed the law. OK, that's. That's the, the big thing. It was a law on the books that had been passed that uh, numerous presidents had ignored. Um, and it was to, to 
to replace the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem with the U.S. embassy that was in Tel Aviv and move it to Jerusalem. And that was a law that was on the books that President Bush ignored, that President um, Obama ignored, and Trump executed what was on the books. Uh, so when you talk about law and order, he just, he didn't invent it. He just executed the law as it was written. And it did a number of things. Um, it it, uh, it re-enforced uh, our commitment to Israel uh, because Israel uh, claims the capital of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And and so it, it reinforced our commitment to our strong strongest ally mm-hmm. in the Middle East. Um, and, and again, it, just, it followed the law. And well, it showed the world that when we make a promise, we keep it. We keep it. And and. The, the past presidents uh, prior uh, to President Trump didn't do that. Now, I noticed that that uh, oh, Biden, uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> Biden uh, has not um, gotten a chance to move the, the embassy back. I think there'd be huge pushback uh, if he tried to do that. So it is it's now permanent. Uh, the law has been uh, satisfied. But, um, you know, one of his Trump's major accomplishments was the Abraham Accords. Uh, Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, Even prior to the events that occurred in October of 2023 and the attack on Israel and Israel's response into the Gaza Strip, Israel's in a a bad area town. Yeah. They're they're in a pretty rough neighborhood. This big and all these gigantic countries that hate you surround it. And they've been invaded uh, three times, massive wars, uh, but they're surrounded by people that hate them. And one of the things that uh, Trump did is he helped normalize relations normally with a lot of the big heavy hitters in the Middle East with these Abraham Accords, and namely the UAE, uh, Qatar, uh, Saudi Arabia, and this is huge. This is absolutely huge to get these normalized relations because when countries typically have normalized relations, they're less likely to go to war with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be um, the, the the old adage that countries that had a McDonald's never went to war with each other, <laughs> and it held for a, a really long time, um, but uh, unfortunately, um, you know that that eventually McDonald's did, isn't good enough ambassador it's, it's, it's anymore. It's not, not a good enough ambassador anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, but but still, if you have normalized relations, that means you have diplomatic dialogue and and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, it's significant because there have been so many presidents that have tried to do this in the mm-hmm. past and had failed. Absolutely failed. And um, and so it's just a huge, significant win that I don't think is touted enough. Now, let's talk about let's talk about current situation, the fact that we're in January of 2024 and the war has been going on in the Gaza Strip. Those relationships under the uh, Abraham Accords are being strained. Mm -hmm. They are being strained and nobody knows especially not us. Nobody knows where that breaking point is. There's been a lot of grumbling, um, but, uh, but a lot of those have, have been strained. And, uh, you know, is, is President Trump somebody that can repair that strain um, once, uh, once and if he gets back into office? And uh, that's, that's to be seen. But still, it was a monumental achievement at the time, and uh, obviously circumstances has, has put that to the test. Well, you know, Hamas was only able to attack Israel 
because of its funding from Iran. Right. And how did Iran get so much money? Because uh, sanctions were lifted by Biden. Trump put sanctions on Iran, and, and so it made it harder for them to, to have money. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, Trump also left the Iran nuclear deal. Yeah, I mean, right right before President uh, Trump's uh, uh, election, the Obama administration lifted sanctions, wrote a huge check, uh, I believe it was $60 billion, freed up of, of money, um, and then let uh, Trump left the Iran nuclear deal, and Biden went, went right back to it, negotiated some prisoners, and gave him an additional $6 billion. I mean, this is just an absolute travesty to fund... Uh, a nation that that um, one of their stated objectives is is to have death to Israel, death to America. I mean, it's like Makes no sense. it's like you know, Putin says that okay, attack Ukraine, Ukraine, uh, Poland's next. We should believe him. When Iran says okay, we're going to get Israel and we're going to get the United States after that, we should believe them. Yeah. I mean, it's Absolutely. like if the if the bully at school says, "I'm going to punch you in the face." You're gonna duck. Probably. I mean, I, I mean, prob- it, it's coming. It's just coming. <laughs> oh goodness! But you know, speaking of of Putin saying he's going to attack Poland next, you know, Trump was accused of being a fan of Putin. But people who say that need to remember that Trump put sanctions on the Nord Two pipeline, which hurt Trump, uh, Putin. Yes. So, if you're a fan of someone, are you going to hurt them economically probably not well you know one of one of the big things um we have to look at when we keep saying uh trump's a fan of putin a lot of this was a misinformation campaign that the clinton uh campaign uh you know threw out there with this dossier right and and intelligence communities and the fbi jumped all over it uh talking about how um, you know, this Russian misinformation was was in play to, to help uh, Trump in this dossier proves it. And it was proven that it was a Clinton campaign plant. And the intelligence community just jumped all over it, all over it. And and so the same thing when the intelligence community um, uh, 51 members, including uh, Clapper and and you know some of the the former heads of the the CIA, 51 people signed on to an open letter to say that the Hunter Biden um, laptop was a Russian guaranteed. We're intelligence experts, and this is a Russian uh, misinformation campaign. And they lied. They lied. Now, now let's be let's be honest. They're spies, and spies lie. Okay, <laughs> that's so kind of their. They're job in the intelligence community. Uh, they're 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 like professional trained liars, and they took the time to write this letter and and throw themselves on a sword that says this is a classic Russian misinformation, and they lied. They lied, and mm-hmm. it Hunter it's Hunter Biden smoking crack and having <laughs> sex with prostitutes. I mean that that's what it should, that's what it is. Um, and so you know you know it, this 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 campaign of Trump. Trump is is uh, you know fawning over over Putin and things like that. I mean, y- you have to take it with a grain of salt because uh, a lot of these uh, swamp institutional members are straight up lying and they're conducting their own uh, misinformation campaign on the United States of America. 
Well, I mean, I, I think it was... And those are facts. I think it's just an overreaction of Trump saying that Putin was smart. Well, he's an yeah. evil, evil genius. How about that? Yeah, well, I mean, Putin plays chess. Evil. He plays chess. He's smart. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, more home, uh, issues at home. Right. Another issue that affects everyone. Immigration. Mm-hmm. He had Title 42... Um, he had the Remain in Mexico policy. I mean, that just makes sense to me. If you're flu- fleeing, uh, whether it's wartime, you're being persecuted, you're you know you can't find a job in your home country, you're still better off in Mexico than anywhere else. So, I mean, it's, I still think that's more humane than <laughs> what's going on now. What's going on now? I mean, right. th- there are people being assaulted at the border. There are people being raped at the border. There, and okay. If you care about, you know, global warming and the climate and, you know, all the green energy stuff, well, guess what? These people are coming across. They have nowhere to discard their human waste or their trash, and so they're leaving that everywhere. They're setting up, you know, campfires and setting fires to forests. So, I mean, I think everyone should be concerned about it. Um, and then a asylum banned if you travel through any country other than Mexico, like you, <laughs> it makes sense to me again. Right. Well, one, one of the big things is when you look at the uh, illegal immigration numbers under Trump and the illegal immigration numbers under Biden, Biden projected uh, that, that there was going to be a looser, a looser border. And, uh, you know, it was kind of uh, amazing when you see these, hey, don't come, uh, stay, stay where you are, but then you, you relax all of the provisions that kept these people out of the United States. It's, it's one of those you're saying one thing, but you're doing another, and the doing part uh, is what people pay attention to. And I, I, you know, that's just a, a huge significant problem. We, we look at uh, the amount of, of staggering numbers of uh, what the cartels were getting in human smuggling in 2018, I believe it was 500 million dollars. Yes, and, and then, now it's 13 b- 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 billion with a b. 26 times. Yeah, I mean that's just so an they're loving number. this. Who wouldn't love to have 26 times the amount of money? I mean, with with uh, the administration saying that there is no open border, there is no problem at the border. You ha- you're lying. Uh, you're lying. And the, and the Trump administration, uh, in building the wall and building barriers, uh, remain in Mexico. These are all things that, that need to happen. I mean, it, the, biggest, the biggest issue that people have is they're, is they're saying that any restriction on immigration is inhumane. All you have to do is go to a legal port of entry and do what you're supposed to do. It's the the problem is, is the people that are sneaking across, and then when they get mm-hmm. caught, then they have their rehearsed lines of, "Well, I'm seeking asylum in order to trigger all these uh, these protections under under uh, international law and things like that." But uh, you know, the thing is, is is Trump made the country safer on the southern border. Yep. There, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's fewer people coming across. Um, there's fewer instances of fentanyl coming across. It, it's just these are facts. These are just facts, and it, they're indifferent to anybody's opinion on, on the matter. Yeah, and you know, people don't want to admit it's a problem until you know someone gets shot, and it was an illegal immigrant. Yeah, that has you know or a college been here student. 
shouldn't have been here to begin with. Yeah, or a college student that that uh, you know is having a rough day and and wants to stay up late at night to study and 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 orders a, a pill online and it's laced with fentanyl, dead, just dead because he wanted uh, you know something to help him uh, stay up at night and and help him concentrate like Ritalin or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you don't pay attention until it's your cousin or your brother. Yeah, exactly. Now. Um, you know, when we look at um, at that border, you know, speaking of fentanyl and speaking of, of uh, you know, which, which a lot of the angel families are people that um, have died. But but there are a terrorist watch list that's yep. at the border. Yep. And the, um, you know, the number of people that are caught at the southern border on these these watch lists, I believe it was 151 mm-hmm. in fiscal year 2023. And these are not these are not uh, people that wrote a, a bad check in El Salvador. These are people that <laughs> they've already done bad things. They've already They're done already bad things. known by you know, the FBI and, you know, our organizations. They've already done bad things and they're. People don't typically stop doing bad yeah. things they're just not one time. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not reformed. Um, yeah. they're, they're they're in. They're trying to get across the border, um, and with uh, with nineteen people being able to to do nine eleven. Uh, what if what if one hundred and fifty one? The, and these are the people that are caught. These, yes, these are the people that are caught. So we're getting bad actors that are coming across. And just ask yourself if you find. One person, they're knocking on your front door, they're asking to talk to you. You might assume that they're they're not there for nefarious reasons. If you find someone climbing over your back fence, you can can assume they're up to no good. good. And that's, that's what people who are sneaking across the border versus trying to come in legally that that should the same assumptions should be made. Right. So what are, what are his plans to combat some of this stuff, Kimberly? Well, um, he wants to label cartels as unlawful enemy combatants, and then he also wants to have a naval blockade to stop smuggling boats. Sounds good to me, you know, because what are they smuggling? Probably fentanyl. Right. <laughs> uh, he wants to return the floating barriers that you know popped up in the news a few months ago that. Uh, Greg Abbott, uh, Governor Greg Abbott had in uh, Texas. And then he wants to have what was infamously known as the Muslim ban. Right. Um, and can you describe what exactly yeah, it's, it's, that was? It's not a Muslim ban because all of these countries that were on his banned list, they have Jewish it citizens. It was just touted by the it left. Was t- it was touted by the left as a Muslim ban. But, uh, but they have Christians. They have atheists. They have Jews. They have um, uh, Muslims. They have the various kinds of Shia and Sunni and Abadi Muslim, Muslims. Um, so to call it a Muslim ban. But it was uh, bans on countries that more often than not had some people that did not like the United States and wanted to uh, cause death and destruction to our country. And so um, I'm not saying that all of those people felt this way. Yes, it was but just a, a more greater likelihood. A preponderance <laughs> said that these people would, uh, in fact, cause problems. And so he just wanted it, uh, you know, and it was a pause. When he was uh, running um, for his uh, initial campaign, uh, he wanted just this pause just to be able to set up uh, the ability to screen and vet people that are coming in. Now, of course, the left-wing media and the mainstream media jumped all over it. He's banning Muslims. 
never once said that he was banning Muslims. He was just banning, uh, you know, would we want 100,000 people from um, uh, Western Yemen to immediately get on airplanes and fly into the United States. Now, the significance of Western uh, Yemen is, uh, the nor- especially the northwestern uh, corner uh, along Saudi Arabia, is where the Houthis come from, all right, which is a, um, you know, uh, insurgency organization that is heavily backed by Iran. Um, but would you want, uh, hey, let's just take this population and fly them over the United States because it's cool. Um, and what have they been up to lately, the Houthis? And, and, and they've basically closed down the Red Sea. Um, with all their yeah, drone attacks. So these same people he wanted to <laughs> to stop from coming over have been attacking ships. Yeah. So, so I mean, so again, stop, stop cherry picking, uh, you know, something out of it just just to, to make it sound good. Um, it wasn't a Muslim ban. It was a ban uh, just from the, from countries that historically have been bad actors to the United States. And he just wanted to pause it for a little while. Yeah. And uh, he also uh, wants to outlaw welfare to illegal legal immigrants, which makes sense to me. They, they have no skin in the game. They haven't paid taxes. Uh, you know, and, you know, we want people who are going to come here and contribute to our country. Why would we want someone who's just going to take, 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 take? Right. When we can barely give Americans the things that they're already entitled to. Right. And, you know, one of the other things that he wants to do is he wants clarification on the 14th Amendment, specifically the clause uh, for um, birthright citizenship. And that has been a um, a topic that all of the candidates has, have adopted. Uh, clearly, the 14th Amendment, um, when they're talking about birthright citizenship, it was specifically to counteract the Dred Scott's case um, where uh, – People were saying that uh, that black people, former slaves, did not have the automatic right to citizenship in the United States. It was specifically written to address that. It was not written to have somebody who crosses the border illegally, who has no uh, you know, um, uh, ability to be a, a natural citizen and subject to the laws thereof, uh, to give birth and have that person automatically be a citizen of the United States. The, the, the amendment was not written for that, and he has, he has pledged to end birthright citizenship. Well, that will be very difficult to do with it being an amendment, but... One thing people have to keep in mind when they think, oh, you know, that that's really cruel. Well, you know, if you go to other countries and you have a baby, that does not automatically give someone in any given country the right to be a citizen. That's absolutely right. In fact, very, very few countries in the world have birthright citizenship. Um, typically, yeah. one or both parents have to be citizens of that country for the uh, the citizenship to be passed on to the child. So it is this is unusual and um, you know one of the things that uh, um, that that all the campaigns have recently been uh, saying that that are that are espousing to have an executive order um, do that they, they want to get it to the Supreme Court. They want the Supreme Court to make the interpretation of what the 14th Amendment's purpose was. Um, and so, yes, uh, all of the candidates, uh, DeSantis, Haley, uh, Ramaswamy, uh, Trump, uh, they all agree that as soon as they sign an executive order like that, uh, it would immediately enter the court system. And that's where they want it adjudicated. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as education goes, uh, Trump ex- uh, wants to expand. Um, well, he did expand education and training for incarcerated. I mean, that I mean, that that sounds good to me, because if someone 
goes to jail, oftentimes they don't have training or they are ineligible to work in the field that they were previously qualified for. And the last thing you want is someone put out on the streets and they can't get a job anywhere because, I'm sorry, but even if someone's willing to like let them live there, people who are bored and have bad tendencies usually are not going to do good things. Yeah. So this this really directly pertains to um, recidivism rates and uh, and whether or not a person is going to have the likelihood of going back into jail. And by having an education and and like we've talked before, uh, getting trained in the trades uh, and things like that, and having the ability to to work on the outside of prison will reduce that recidivism uh, and, and allow people to stay out of jail because you don't want this this uh, cyclical uh, you know jail um, pro, um, they they get on probation they get off probation commit a crime jail you you want them to get out of that loop. Well, also, I think it looks good to employers. Uh, um, if you see someone who just went to jail and they're applying for a job, there's going to be some hesitancy. But if you saw that they went to jail and they had the fortitude, the, the discipline to go and complete training, do something productive after being incarcerated, it makes them look a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think. I, I agree. And he, he signed, you know, a lot of people tell Trump is a racist. And... That is just an easy label to throw on somebody when you're losing an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, yeah. that's that's that that's literally that's the Staples or Office Depot easy button. Um, you know, yeah, labels do not constitute an argument. Yeah, exactly. But he signed 255 million dollar annual funding for historically black uh, colleges and universities. Um, I mean, doesn't sound like a racist. Doesn't to sound me. like if a you racist. You hate to me. a group, which you know, racist is someone who hates someone of a different race, you're not going to give them money. Right. You're not going to encourage their education. And, and, you know, you see uh, Trump all the time um, serving Thanksgiving and Christmas meals to uh, to people and in, in the D.C. area. And you can see that um, uh, all of those videos had him uh, serving peoples of color um, to uh, their, their meals. If you're a racist, you you just you tell your media person pass. I'm not going to not going to not going to do that. But here he is serving, you know, and and presidents, you know, historically, they serve Thanksgiving meal to troops and and things like that. But but he also went to lower income neighborhoods and and he and the first lady uh, did that as well. If you truly are a racist, you're just going to you're just going to skip that part. Um, So anyway, with all this funding to the HBCUs. I just that that argument doesn't hold water. Um, yep. But he did cut funding to schools pushing CRT and gender ideology, uh, as well as uh, creation of a new teaching credentialing agency um, uh, to teachers that are patriotic. Now, the, here's the difference: the critical race theory is is purporting that uh, um, that white people need to be apologizing for all of the uh, all I, the, uh, the past errors and and uh, and sins of our forefathers fathers and things like that and to to say look we need we're living in 2024 we don't need to be looking back to 1865 uh i don't see that as being racist well also i mean does anyone really want to look their kid in the eye and tell them that they should apologize for being born the color that they are i mean i i don't want our kids going to school and being screamed at saying, you were born the wrong color, you were born a bad color. I mean, whether you're black, white, whatever, you, you should not 
apologize, especially since, guess what? You didn't have a choice exactly. on being born a boy or a girl or black or white or Hispanic. You didn't have a choice. So right. I, I think we should all just be accepting of it. Yep. So let's talk about his electability, right? Yes. Uh, so he is massively leading in the polls for the Republican nomination, like yep. by a lot. Now, people, I again, I don't want people to get overly comfortable or, you know, if you're rooting for a different candidate or if you are a different candidate to, you know, take comfort or disheartening in, in polls because... I mean, goodness, anything could happen between the ages of the candidates, between the legal issues with the candidates. I mean, anything could happen. But, you know, why are people so fired up about Trump? I mean, one of his his lines is, I am your retribution or they're coming after you, but I'm standing in the way. Um, I, I would rather hear like, I'm going to stand up for you. Like I'm fighting for your rights, not I'm going to be a dictator on day one. Like, no, I'm going to be so forceful on day one protecting your rights. And 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 just make it more about us. That's a good point. But but so he kind of said that in just and jest. But, you know, know, people are going to run away. They're they're going to run away. He said, I'm only going to be a dictator on day one is what is what his joke was. Not I'm going to be a dictator on day one. But people ran with that. Hey, he said he's going to be a dictator. But he was joking. I'm only going to be a dictator on the the first day, um, which um, you know, that's, that was just, you know, obviously it hurt him because it's a sound bite that people get to run, run with. But I, I completely agree with you. He, he is, he's saying they're coming after you, but I'm standing in the way. And, and I agree. He should be saying, you know, here's what I'm doing for you, uh, or I'm going to do for you. Um, because it is a little bit of, uh, grabbing a little bit of dark Brandon, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. go, going on with, with some of the things, but, but I, his, these indictments, uh, and it's the same thing when he was running for his first term. It just seems that no matter what happens, uh, he's the Teflon Don, uh, <laughs> and stuff just does not stick to him. I mean, during the first uh, uh, time he ran in, in, uh, for the uh, 2016 elections, that, that uh, Hollywood Access or w- tape, Access Hollywood. Uh, Access Hollywood tape, and he's talking about all this, all this uh, locker room talk, as he talked mm-hmm. about it. Everyone was like, that's it. He's done. He's done. And he just, he went up. And uh, and so just all the stuff that would normally completely tank uh, a, a normal mere mortal, uh, it, it just seems to, to power him up and, and increase him. And so all of these indictments, 91 indictments on this man um, in various uh, state and federal courts for all kinds of things uh, is just inc- every time he gets indicted on a new charge, his funding goes up. Up. Yes, it's a, it's it's absolutely it's absolutely crazy, and I think some of it is because of the timing. He says, "Hey, look, they're what they're trying to do is this is a political persecution, and they're trying to remove me from the ballot, and that's exactly what it looks like. It yeah. that's exactly what it looks like. I'm not saying it is true or isn't true. I'm not a member of the Department of Justice, but perceptions matter, and the yeah. timing of it is just you know with." Uh, Jack Smith, uh, the special prosecutor, uh, wanting to hurry up these um, these uh, trials in order to to hit him before the election. Well, when you say I'm trying to do this 
before the election, it looks as though it you're trying suspicious. to do it before the election. <laughs> yes, and I think people, you know, s- being strong supporters of them, it's kind of like a touting a cause of the fight against big government. Right. Um, and, and Donald Trump is going to be the martyr if they win. Um, so that's a big mountain to climb for these other candidates. Um and then, you know, he also has separate events of his own uh, that occur at the same time during the, the debates. And um, but, you know, on the other side, you know, he's loud. He's doing well. And then when he's quiet, the very few weeks where he's quiet, he seems to do well, too. He is he is the master. And I don't know if it's him or if he also has I mean, he has a team. All these people have yes. teams, but he is a master at staying in the news cycle. Mm hmm. And, you know, that what the advertising, like, you know, all press is good, even even bad press. press. And and he is getting good press and bad press uh, all at the same time. Continuously. I don't think he has ever left the news cycle. No. I mean, he's getting all this (laughs) stuff for free. Yeah. And that that's worth I mean, press is worth. One small piece of press is worth millions of dollars and he gets it for free. Now. Now. So what what are some things that that we see, you know, that he's doing wrong? Yeah, things that are hurting him. I mean, you know, I think Nikki Haley put it very well, saying he's his own worst enemy. And, th- and that's true. Like with the uh, Florida documents case, all he had to do was be quiet, you know, not sh- wave stuff up in the air. Um, and then saying, I'll be a dictator on day one, little sound bites like that. People are going to grab onto that. Um, what he needs to do is focus on two things, how he's going to help us. And then focus on Biden's failings and say, miss me yet? Right, right. Well, you know, so why him over somebody else? Well, um, so someone else, you know, we need a candidate that can win and not go to jail. Okay. And uh, someone who will not be so distracted because court cases take a long time. They're very soul-sucking, money-sucking time sucking i want someone who can focus just on the job because it is the most stressful job on earth and um you know someone who can pardon him on the federal crimes but you know if it is him at least half of the country will be happy yeah i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more and a lot of the candidates have said that they're they would pardon him uh if he um you know is convicted and not because they're fans of donald trump they just want the country to move on they, exactly. they don't want that half of the country to just uh, completely, you know, be mired in um, in this negativity. They want to move on and move forward. And I think that speaks for everybody. Absolutely. So thank you for uh, watching this segment of Azimuth Podcast. This is the, the last and final uh Uh, candidate profile that we have that are the major players for the 2024 election. And uh, stay tuned after these messages. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in. A house divided? No, we are not talking about SEC football. Nikki Haley turned down Sean Hannity's invitation to debate DeSantis one-on-one recently, stating she wants Trump. So today, we are doing that for our two favorite candidates in heels (laughs) here on Azimuth Podcast. I'm Kimberly McNabb. 
for Team DeSantis. And I'm Bear McNabb for Team Nikki Haley. We'll discuss each candidate's records and plans following the, the following. Economics, foreign policy, immigration, education, and finally, their electability. So let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Well, let's go. First, why do we prefer our candidate? Well, I like Ron DeSantis. I have said for years that I would love to have, I would make it mandatory, actually, for anyone serving in Congress, especially the presidency, if you're going to send our men and women to war, you should have skin in the game. You should know what it's like. And Ron DeSantis has done just that. He is our first combat veteran running for, for president who could be president since George H. Bush. So that's what I want. Also, he has three small kids, so he understands the issues. He has skin in the game right now. It's not some far off distant memory on what it's like to raise kids. And also all the cultural issues, he's dealing with those right now as governor. That's why I like Ron DeSantis. Kimberly, those are absolutely great points. Absolutely great points. So here's why I support Nikki Haley. She can win the general election. Uh, I know that you're not a big fan of polls, but head-to-head against Joe Biden, she wins by 17 points. Donald Trump wins by two points, and Ron DeSantis does not win in the general election against Biden. Again, these are these are polls, but, but still to have almost a 20-point lead in the polls to beat Joe Biden, she's our woman right there. Uh, I like her because she speaks her mind. I like the fact that she's completely articulate. I like that she's cool under pressure. And I like the fact that everybody seems to attack her. Uh, Biden attacks her. Trump attacks her, even though he's not even in the room. Vivek attacks her. Ron attacks her. But she just loves the attention. And she is getting a wealth of donors. A lot of people you know, give her um, some, some flack for, for saying that she is uh, taking these donors and, and would put their interest. But I can assure you, she is not going to do that. She has integrity. And uh, she's done great and wonderful things for the state of South Carolina. She's going to do great and wonderful things for our nation. But I tell you what, you could not go wrong with either of these Mm-mm. two candidates. Nope. Anyone over Biden. But why should someone vote for either of these two over Trump? Well, let's discuss each governor's economic record. Sure. So I'll go first. So... Businesses have moved to Florida. Citadel Bank, Fitness Company, Berries, SH Hotels and Resorts, so many. 5.8 million new business applications have been filed just the year of 2021. And um, GDP grew 13.2% in the same year. It's it has number Florida has number four in state business tax climate index, and he touts the record for paying off state debt. In his governorship, he he says he's paid off like twenty two percent. I combined uh, state and local debt per Statistica uh, Statista dot com. Um, it's 7%, but during Nikki Haley's governorship, it actually increased by 5%. Um, let's see, and labor force, let's see, participation rate is 59.5%, which is pretty good. 
So well, that's those, my but, economic record that I like. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great numbers, Kimberly. So, you know, what I like about Nikki is when she was governor, she created jobs. She created jobs. She brought in Boeing, BMW. Um, she brought in Bridgestone, all to South Carolina, all with economic investment, all with taking care of people and increasing that unemployment rate. Now, obviously, Florida had a, has a great unemployment rate. It really does. There's a lot of jobs that were created there, but she knows how to get it done. One of the things that I like about her future for the for the nation is that she understands, being an accountant, that the federal government is overinflated. Seventy percent of uh, the federal workforce is still working from home. She wants to end that. 75% of a lot of government agencies have unfilled jobs that they're still being uh, paid for. She wants to get rid of that. She wants to take a lot of the federal government and that's bloated and push it down to the state and local level so that they can do the grassroots things that need to be done. She um, uh, believes in domestic production. She wants to bring a lot of the things back um, that are being made overseas and have them being made domestically, which will do two things. A lot of our, uh, you know, high technology uh, things that we ha- that we make, whether it's iPhones or or computer chips, are all being made overseas. By bringing that domestic production back, will prevent China from having a lot of that intellectual theft that they do uh, in order to steal our intellectual property and then produce cheaper goods, uh, you know, hurting American jobs. And, and that that's super important. That's one of her things that she wants to do. She wants to cut taxes on the middle class, and she wants to simplify the tax brackets to put more money back in uh, your pocket. Um, you know, on, she talks about this all the time. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and what she wants to do is to have the poor get richer, the middle class get richer, and the rich get richer. I mean, that's really what she wants to do. She wants to make the tax cuts that were given to small businesses permanent. It's kind of interesting she talks about that the corporate tax rates were made permanent, uh, but the small business tax rates were expired. And she wants to make those permanent because, as everybody knows, small business is the actual lifeblood of our economy. Uh, It's not, I mean, Apple and Nike, they all get a lot of press, Mm -hmm. but it's small businesses that have the most uh, jobs, the most economic output, and she wants to focus on those. She wants to eliminate the gas and diesel tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really what that'll do is it'll drive prices down um, because shipping and transportation costs will go down. And uh, so I I just think that's going to be a huge for for our uh, uh, economy. She had to balance a budget as the governor of South Carolina. The federal government does not have to balance its budget. It's the only organization that doesn't have to. They can keep writing checks and keep printing money, and there's no accountability. And she wants to uh, but balance the budget and, and make sure that, uh, that if something is being paid for, that something needs to get taken out. And I think that is a great way to move forward. Um, and, it, and as she says, it's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. Both sides are guilty. And she just wants to take control of that. She um, wants to make sure that um, uh, um, that we quit borrowing so much money. And and by having that balanced budget, we're not going to have to do it. Right now, uh, our according to her, 
our interest payments account for eight percent of the the income that we come in uh, that comes in due to taxes and I, i've i've honestly read that it could be as high as 11 percent. but pretty soon it's going to just the interest payment on the debt that we've borrowed is going to exceed the department of defense's annual budget I mean, that is absolutely crazy. The interest, uh, as she says, our children are never going to forgive us for that. And so anyway, that's why I think that uh, her economic policy is, uh, is amazing. Yes, and I, I like those plans. And Ron DeSantis also has similar plans for increasing energy production here and uh, decreasing dependence on China as well. Um, so now let's move on to foreign policy record. So now... Governor DeSantis has not been, you know, an ambassador to the UN, but uh, he he has stopped Chinese purchases of land and um, the state of Florida, and he's rooted it out of the education system. He wants to spread that to the nation. Uh, he wants to press up on Europe to step up their uh, support on Ukraine. Uh, he wants to send troops to the border. Uh, he wants foreign policy to focus on China. And he stands with Israel. He has he sent planes. I think it was through donor funds, so it wasn't even state funds. He sent planes to Israel to get Americans out, and he was the first to do that. I think Vivek also uh, did that as well. But Trump didn't do it. Haley didn't do it. You know, they have donors that could have stepped up and uh, helped with that. But it was DeSantis who did that. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, I think one of the things a special call up for Vivek is he did it out of his own cash, and DeSantis yeah. did it because he has the state of Florida to help him help him do. Well, it. he he did it through donor funds. Okay. It wasn't even through the Florida's budget. But okay, yeah, I, I'm. I would like to think if Governor DeSantis had Vivek's <laughs> money, <laughs> if I had Vivek's money, I'd do things too. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I completely agree with you. You know, um, so so a lot of these are going to be similar um, with uh, with Nikki Haley. However, she does have a lot of foreign policy experience um, because of her time and tenure as in the ambassador to the United Nations. She got to do a lot of foreign travel. So she was able to view um, the tunnels in Gaza, uh, you know, obviously prior to um, uh, October 2023. But she was able to view and, and has some points of reference to be able to talk to and point to um, for her foreign policy. She dealt with China every day at the United Nations. Um, you know, the United Nations is, is, is overly bloated um, as well. Um, and, you know, there's people that are on the Human Rights Council that commit massive of human rights violations. So it's almost kind of this comedy. Um, uh, it, oh, is it a comedy or is it a tragedy? I would say a tragedy because uh, a teacher at the UN was holding one of the Israel yeah. hostages. So so let's call it a comedy of errors at the uh, um, at the United Nations. So anyway, with her with her foreign policy, she was able to uh, turn the tide at the at uh, the UN and, and get people to, to look at, at um, you know, the right way uh, to look at things. To You know, she talks about continuously that the Biden administration keeps touting that uh, China is a competitor of the United States, and they are not. They are an enemy of the United States. By taking the position that we want to compete with China uh, and not understand that their long-term play is to reduce the United States hegemony all across the world. And, um, and they want to influence their sphere of influence in the Asia-Pacific area. Um, they want to 
um, expand their influence into the rest of Asia, into Africa, and even into South America and the Caribbean. I mean, give me a break. The Chinese are setting up a spy agency and a spy installation in Cuba, of all places, in order to, yeah. to be able to, to look at just, you know, across the border. I mean, and, it's... And how many competitors send spy balloons over Yeah, exactly, exactly. Coke, Coke and Pepsi are competitors. Exactly. Now, she's uh, similar uh, to, to what you said about Ron's policies mm-hmm. about uh, purchasing foreign land. Uh, she wants to, to use eminent domain and, uh, and snag uh, all that land back because um, mm-hmm. China's buying up acreages near all of our sensitive military installations. Uh, similar to um, what you were saying about Ron DeSantis, especially the Confucius Institutes that, are, um, that were in a lot of major universities, uh, she wants to have universities either take money from the United States or money from foreign governments, but not both. And, um, and by getting rid of these Confucius in, uh, Institutes that are in universities that are effectively brainwashing our students, um, you know, is going to be a huge thing. One of the, the other things is um, to make sure that, uh, that, that items are made domestically and that they're not made in China. Um, she wants to make sure that that occurs. But, um, yeah, as far as Ukraine goes, she sees Ukraine uh, as a uh, strategically important uh, for us because Putin has said that if Ukraine falls, Poland, Estonia, mm-hmm. Latvia, etc., are next. And that means we're looking at a direct conflict with Russia as pertains to invasions of NATO countries. Mm-hmm. And so she wants to make sure that um, uh, material, uh, equipment, is sent to Russia. She doesn't want to do blank checks and cash. Uh, she wants military equipment, but it needs to be the right equipment at the right time. And then finally... Similarly to Ron DeSantis, as far as um, the uh, Israel uh, goes, she definitely says Israel is the tip of the spear uh, in a really rough neighborhood. And um, we need to make sure that, that we have our, the backs of our strongest ally in the Middle East. And uh, I think she's going to be able to get it done. All right. Um, can I ask, as a woman, do you think other world leaders would be able to respect her? Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I uh, think so. I mean, people respected Margaret Thatcher. Um, you know, obviously yeah. the the um, the Prime Minister of England, uh, Angela Merkel. Um, you know, uh, same thing for Germany. Uh, there are a lot of women that ha- that are strong that people respect. Um, and the thing is, is is it's not just uh, the person; it's also uh, who's at your back as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even uh, you know Margaret Thatcher during the Falklands War said that, uh, and that was in between uh, Argentina and the United Kingdom, and there was some, some talk that uh, Argentina might use chemical weapons uh, in, in trying to take over the Falklands, and Margaret Thatcher straight up said, if you use chemical weapons, I'll turn your country into glass, meaning use, <laughs> that she would use nuclear weapons um, to turn sand into glass. And uh, so those are some pretty tough women. I think she's in, in good company. Okay. Well, let's move on to immigration. Okay. So... In case you have not heard, Governor DeSantis sent, what was it, 50 immigrants to Martha's Vineyard? Right. Which, oh, know, the so, horror. <laughs> it's like, you guys voted for this. We get thousands and thousands of days, and you can't handle 50? Right. 50? Really? Uh, and, and so, yeah, people who had no skin in the game were like, oh, this is a publicity stunt. I'm like, you vote for it, you should see some of the consequences of, of your, yeah. you know, your ideals. Sometimes when you run your mouth, 
you get punched in it. Yes. You got to be able to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. Uh, so Governor DeSantis has that on his, in his record. He also signed a bill to enhance penalties of human smugglers, mandates e-verify if you have more than 25 employees, uh, invalidates driver's licenses given to illegals, and hospitals that accept Medicaid must question immigrant status. So he already has some good past experience with immigration. He wants... And his plans, he wants to end, catch, and release a lot of Trump-era uh, type of policies, empower states and localities to enforce federal immigration laws. Uh, and one thing I am in full agreement with, he wants to penalize sanctuary cities, which I'm in full agreement with. It's a federal law, immigration law. And, you know, th- right now, Biden's administration likes to say, oh, it's a federal border. We are in charge of it. You basically have no say, even though you get the cost of all these people coming through. Well, well guess what? Cities, it's a federal law. You don't right. get to pick and choose. Uh, and then finally, he wants to send U.S. troops to fight the cartels, deeming them terrorist organizations. So I love that strong approach. Yeah, no, I, I can. There's, there's nothing to argue with there. Those are all extremely uh, excellent points, Kimberly. Um, you know, when Nikki Haley was governor, she passed a law that uh, gave police officers, local police officers, the power to verify immigration status. Um, she sued the Biden administration um, to, um, you know, over the his executive order giving millions of of legal immigrants uh, legal status. Um, and she said, "Look, this is just this is just not right." Um, the same thing, E-Verify, Remain in Mexico, um, these are all very similar uh, to, to both of the um, uh, to plans, uh, both in between DeSantis and Haley. Um, she wants to add 25,000 ICE and Border Patrol agents to the border in order to effectively uh, make sure that we are uh, keeping people in Mexico. She wants to end catch and release and immediately go to catch and deport. Um, she is, um, you know, wanting to um, make sure that our immigration policy for legal immigration is merit based. Uh, she really wants to um, end the quota system that has happened under various administrations where we will, in advance, we will take. X amount of people. We will take 200,000 people from these particular countries. And rather than say, this is what we'll take as a quota, this is, she'll determine policy of this is what we need. We need 25,000 farm workers. We need 10,000 people that can go into IT. We need uh, 20,000 people that can do uh, manufacturing. And so by having this be merit-based as opposed to just quota-based, we can allow the people in that we need in order to help our economy. And I thought that that was an extremely important uh, policy differentiation between Haley and DeSantis is the fact that she wants to make sure that it's completely merit-based and it benefits benefits the United States. Of course, it's going to benefit anybody that comes here uh, because we are the land of opportunity, but we need to make sure that our legal uh, process benefits us and benefits small businesses and benefits regular Americans as well. And uh, by tailoring it to this merit-based and and what we need year to year, I think is going to be a huge thing. As far as, um, you know, her wanting to... um, 
uh, defund sanctuary cities, um, which is the same thing. Again, you run your mouth, you're going to get punched in it sometimes. So with New York, Chicago, et cetera, all uh, touting that they're a sanctuary city on immigration, uh, you know, Governor Abbott was the first governor in Texas uh, to, to do it, call him on it mm-hmm. and say, OK, if you if you have that position, here you go and and have for it. And of course, there's been complete um, hands thrown in the air and 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 uh, Democrats running around like chickens with their heads cut off, um, trying to deal with what Texas deals with on a daily basis. And they're not getting buses every day. Um, but uh, she really praised uh, Texas uh, and Governor Abbott for stepping up uh, and protecting. The federal government has abandoned the southern states um, and is really just a dereliction of duty. Um, Governor Abbott has stepped up, and she has been praising him continuously. She would reinstitute the buoys. She would reinstitute the the wall, con- construction of the wall. And again, it's not to keep people out because you can always get around it. Just make it hard and 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 channel uh, these immigrants to legal ports of entry. And uh, so I think I think she's strong. She's strong mm-hmm. on immigration. She's got a lot a um, lot of going for her. Obviously, a lot of it overlaps very well with the DeSantis campaign. All right. Well. Let's move on to education. Okay. So, Ron DeSantis has received a lot of flack from media for, quote, don't say gay bill and things like that. Which is that. disingenuous. That's it, not what it's It's very said. disingenuous. It's to just not talk about sex for, for kids under, I think it's like fifth grade or something. Right. And that that's what it is. And I completely agree with it. I have grew up around people exposed to sex way too early in life, and they just don't. They don't relate to the opposite sex appropriately, and sometimes it messes up their life entirely, I, I believe. Uh, and during COVID, he wanted he was one of the first states to have, in Florida, one of the first states to have schools open five days a week. Even in Georgia in 2021, our nephews were doing this weird rotating thing. And it's like, kids are not meant for this. This is not how we're supposed to operate as a society, as human beings. We're supposed to be out and about. Uh, so he op- one of the he was one of the first states to open things up, and then um, he's pushed to te- have schools teach financial literacy and the history of communism. Um, it was pushed back against, but he pushed for that, and he want he would want that to go nationwide. And I fully agree with that. Um, he signed the Safety and Private uh, Spaces Acts. Um, which means you have to use the bathroom of, of your sex. Now, uh, Haley did not have to deal with that when she was governor because in 2011 it wasn't a big deal. But even Ron DeSantis himself said at the time he was a congressman, it's like, oh, why are we fighting bathroom battles? Well, now it's so in your face. We have to fight those battles now. Um, and he has promoted school choice. Uh, so parents get to choose. If you want to homeschool, you can. There, there are some states where it's really discouraged um and he wants to cut funding for schools uh teaching gender ideology and crt and reverse uh transgender um people in in sports okay yeah that, those are those are great points and, and again i see a lot of overlap uh one of the things that nikki haley uh really wants to do is she wants to push vocational training back into schools so you have shop class you have home economics class you have economics as, as well uh, personal finance and you know we need to get people to understand that we can build things 
and mm-hmm. that we can build things again and that there is nothing wrong with being in the trades. And so she wants to get that vocational training back into um, uh, education. She said moral decisions need to be made by parents. They don't need mm-hmm. to be made by the school. Uh, schools should be teaching reading, writing, uh, arithmetic, uh, science, history, things like that. Moral decisions need to be left up to the parents. Uh, she believes in school choice. So she wants the ability uh, for parents to be able to choose their schools, um, and 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 she really you know believes that that uh, transgender athletes should be competing against their uh, gender assigned at birth. They should not be men should not be competing against women in women's sports. Um, she is very anti that. Um, she says, look, you know, we need to to get this um, these education going, and all of these distractions uh, for all of these woke. Agenda items, she needs to absolutely just just get by the wayside and and move on. And so, while I see a lot of overlap, uh, she's definitely a strong in her education positions, and uh, I like it. All right. So, um, you know, what would you say Nikki Haley is doing right in her campaign, and what is she doing wrong? Yeah, one of the things I'd say that she's doing right is she is winning. Uh, she is climbing in the polls. She uh, is just absolutely um, crushing every single debate. Um, just even on on CNN the other night, they said, "Look, you know, every time Nikki Haley walks in the room, she's the smartest person in the room," um, and and she just has poise. Um, I think she needs to continue to do that. She is going to all of the states that are in the early primaries, um, and uh, she is just really kind of crushing it. Um, she is continuously climbing. Uh, in the polls. And I think that is key. Um, We see people that burst early and then they start to lose uh, percentage points like uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, He really kind of burned bright, uh, was doing really well in the polls, and now he's he's in definitely in the in the single digits. Whereas Nikki Haley started relatively strong and is continually climbing in the polls. And I think that that is is key because people see um, that forward momentum and that forward progress and they want to follow it and they want to jump on that train. Uh, She's been doing the right things by going to Iowa, doing these town halls, getting in and shaking hands. um, And then, you know, she's going to move on to the Granite State and then move on to to probably her powerhouse, South Carolina. Now, her problem is the same problem that everyone has, and it's Donald Trump. Um, Because as well as Nikki Haley is doing, Donald Trump is just double digits ahead of everybody else. So she has really got to convince people um, why she is a differentiator uh, between Donald Trump. And what advice would you have for Nikki Haley, if any? Man, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, a, a true political strategist. Uh, I, this is just a hobby of mine. But uh, I think she um, needs to uh, make sure that she's able to do a differentiation between receiving money from donors and being beholden to them. And I think by uh, having that message out is she is using the money as a tool in order to support the regular man and woman, uh, middle class, and, and, and everybody equally in the United States. I think she needs to do a better job with uh, differentiating the fact that she is receiving um, big donors' uh, money, but she's going to be using it for the common good. Okay. Well, Ron DeSantis, um, you know, I am sad that his campaign started off on, on Twitter. It, it, you know, I'm always hesitant to start off with, like, a new model phone, new model 
you know, car or something that hasn't really been test driven. And so um, his launch didn't do as well. Also, he started off way, he announced way later than most people. And so I think that hurt him. Also, he has this weird smile that he does. Please drop it. That's, that's my number one piece of advice. Also, if he had the marketing, because he has the policies, he has the knowledge. I mean, CNN tries to stump him. He, he doesn't fall for it. Um, and, and so he has the, the talking points. He has the record. He has the resume. He's done the thing, right? But if he had Donald Trump's marketing, he it would be no contest. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so, you know, he's a governor. He's obviously won't just one person. So whatever political team he has behind him in Florida is obviously doing the job. Unfortunately, he does not have the same competency in his campaign staff. And that makes me sad. If he could somehow find that. Yeah, it, it would helped tremendously yeah i i agree i mean she uh, he had um i think a campaign staff shakeup uh just uh maybe three three months ago had a couple but yeah. it is not for lack of trying so i pulled up how many events each of the main candidates have done in the state of iowa so trump yes his are huge but he's only had 24 now it's trump does he need to have a whole bunch no does he have time with all the indictments and the trials no, but he's had 24. Haley has had 51. DeSantis, as everyone knows, has been to all 99 counties in Iowa. He's had 170 events versus Nikki Haley's 51. Okay. And then actually Vivek Ramaswamy has been to all the counties twice. He's had 239. Okay. So unfortunately, the, the, the polls are not reflecting the effort, I believe. Um, and now, we can believe what we want about the polls. I mean, come on, how many phone calls and emails a day do you get that you actually respond to? Right. So not every person being poll is answering. Sure. So, and, and and there's there's obviously that that margin of error as well um, on whether or not people are truthful. Uh, some people uh, I've read articles where people delight in giving incorrect answers uh, just to to mess with the pollsters and and things like that. So there is that. That's yeah, why. So that don't thing. get comfortable with the polls. If if you want Trump, but you're like, eh, he's going to win anyway. I might as well not go out and vote. No, whoever you want you need to get off your couch and go vote for absolutely after your due diligence and research absolutely so anyway these are some of the things that we talk about over the kitchen table uh nikki haley and governor DeSantis, and uh who do you think uh gave the best case for uh their candidate leave it in the comments below uh to see whether uh, kimberly made the case for ron DeSantis or if i made the case for nikki haley so thanks so much and continue watching after these messages hi everyone Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in.